Hi, I'm Jonathan Matheson, and this is the Agile Uprising Podcast. Greetings, and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hersko. Joining me once again, I have my partner in crime, I guess I should say at this point, Miss Sarah Bacchusau. Sarah, how are you in the wonderfully cold world of 60 degrees in Florida? <laughs> Great. <laughs> my dad complains about it every day. Oh my God, I had to wear a sweater. It was 72 outside, ready to throw myself out a window. So this week's episode, we're going to be talking about, we're doing another episode of Should I Take This? Which uh, for those listeners and watchers who may remember... We do a series where one of us goes through a course, uh, which is either Agile or Agile adjacent, and then we discuss the course itself and we see if it's worthwhile taking it. Although this time we're doing it for the first time as we actually have the people who designed the course in the room with us. <laughs> so this should be kind of exciting. Please hold your uh, complaints till the end of the session. So this week <laughs> we are doing the Okaloa Flow Lab and joining with us from the Okaloa Flow Lab, we have Arlette Verkamen and Patrick Stayart. I think I nailed that. Did I nail it? You got it. <laughs> Fantastic. So I guess first we should give a little bit of background. So my experience with this class was I took it when I worked for Sarah. You know, Sarah's not just my friend. She's also my boss. Said something about her managerial uh, talent. <laughs> and we went through this class with, I think it was a bunch of practitioners, right, Sarah, in our, what was yeah. our ATO at the time. Yeah. And I remember being blown away from the sense that it's a, it's a very, it was a very simple way to get a very complex argument out in front of people where you don't need a whole bunch of books and references to understand. Yeah. You can just sit in the room and go. So, and um, what did I miss, Sarah? What did I miss? Yeah. And the thing that I really loved about Patrick's class was I thought he was just going to teach me how to do flow lab, like the facilitation techniques. And he taught so much more. And that was why I thought it'd be so cool if he could be on your show because I'm still chewing and it's been months probably since <laughs> still chewing on some of the things. And I even have like a little sticky note on my monitor that says flow collaboration and learning with a triangle <laughs> because of the connection between these three. So I was like, your listeners would probably love to hear about this. Very true. And I, I was, I was blown away and I've been trying to finagle our higher up. So can we carve out some budget for this? Because I think y'all might be interested. So let me, let me throw the microphone over to you, Arlette and Patrick. Let's talk about, um, so where does this, where did this come from? Like, was this like, you know, like I fell and bumped my head and I woke up and said, I need to teach people flow <laughs> in a way that they get it. Let, let's talk a little bit about the backstory. <clears throat> oh, um, almost, almost. It, <laughs> it emerged. It really emerged. So uh, um, I was, I was uh, teaching Kenman at the time. Uh, so uh, doing the Kamen trainings, um, and during the Kamen trainings, I spent a lot of my effort and time in terms of trying to convince people to uh, limit their work in progress. And then we played a game, and then at the first occasion, what did people do? They increased their work in progress. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, there must be some other way, right? Um, and I'm I'm very much into um, I coached my my kids when they were younger in um, I coached them in in ice hockey, and I did that together with a, a Canadian uh, a fellow. Um, and we were very much into what is uh, what is called constraint enabled uh, constraint enabled learning. Um, so rather than the coach telling the kids what to do. Um, 
you design a little game, uh, you put in some constraints in the game, uh, and then the kids need to the kids need to really think on their feet and be creative in terms of working around those constraints. Hmm. Um, and what we saw is that it actually enables uh, creativity, it enables team play mm -hmm. uh, without a coach like sitting, uh, standing in the bench and having to shout like, pass, pass the puck, pass the puck. Um, the kids figured it out by themselves. Um, and so we were thinking like, can we do something very similar? Um, but then for teaching um, new ways of working. Um, and so that's where we started with, uh, with a simulation. We started with um, something that Mike, Mike Burroughs developed. Yeah. So that inspired us. Uh, that inspired feature, us. Yeah, feature uh, feature ban. Okay. The feature ban was like with flipping coins. Uh, and to us, that was a little bit restrictive. Um, so uh, we said like, yeah, um, can we just simulate work on a board and then have all the kinds of features that you would have on a, on a visual, uh, on a board and on a, uh, Kanban board. Um, like uh, work items getting blocked, uh, urgent items coming in. Mm -hmm. um, and so initially this was completely in the, in the, the context of our Kanban training, uh, but then it got picked up. Um, so I did a workshop together with um, Theodora, um, uh, one of the Kanban trainers in, in Spain. I was waiting to see if you'd try to get her last name because I think yeah, that's well, uh, Bayaleva. Right? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> let's let's just call her Theodora. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and and um, well, she was like uh, really enthusiastic about it. She started uh, talking about this on on some of the Kamen uh, mailing lists, uh, discussion groups. Um, and then before we know it, we got people on the, on the, uh, was then Skype, I think might have been zoom. I don't know. Um, and so we had people saying to us like, yeah, where can we buy this? Um, and so we started, uh, especially, yeah, let's started thinking about the producing the material. Um, and so before we knew it, we had, um, we had a little factory in our, in our house uh, for producing <laughs> material. Um, and so that, that started it. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so it emerged. It, really so, it sounds highly, highly emergent. One of the things that, you know, you started with constraints-based goal setting, constraints-based operations and, and the, the, and um, we are going to go into a little bit of detail, I think, for our, for our listeners' sake about how the game works. The first round in the game, you are constrained where I need to get the most work done as possible. And I meaning me, right? So the, there's that concept of components when left to their own devices become selfish. And it is truly each person acting selfish, saying, I need to get my work done. And then what happens? Well, the, through the simulation, real life kicks in. I have too much work. I have some manager comes around the corner and, oh my God, this needs to be done now. You need to stop what you're doing. But what about the three other things I've got? So it's a very, and the way the tool is set up and the way you visualize it, it's a very easy way to understand, oh my Lord, we're never going to get anything done. <laughs> and then and then it's nonstop. It truly is the, um, as far as simulations go, it's the best simulation I've seen. 
as far as this is the way real life works. Yes. This is the word yep. delivery. This is the way, <laughs> whether you like it or not, or whether you admit it to yourself, this is the way delivery works inside of organizations. And that first step where it's, it is fit painful and it is uncomfortable to have a bunch of people in a room going, oh man, like, I feel like the boob in the room. I've only got one thing done. Everybody else has gotten <laughs> maybe one, if not two. It's, it, it lends itself to, to a very quick insight. Yeah. And so we, the first round, we call it a bad weather scenario. Um, <laughs> It's like going through stormy weather, but it's it's kind of tongue in cheek uh, because uh, we call it a bad weather scenario. But after the first round, people come to us like si a little silently. You know, this is how we work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Every organization, <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and Sarah, you've done this with leaders, right? I remember yeah. in a previous life, you actually took a leadership class. Like and by leaders, I mean this was like senior directors and above yeah. you took people through this course did they have the same time because uh, i mean let's be real here for for those of us that are practitioners those listeners mm -hmm. that are listening this is kind of like well duh to us but there are a lot of people that we work with that don't necessarily see yeah. and especially people at that oh well agile is just the thing the teams do we don't need to worry about that what was what was the room like sarah after when they were going through that whole the to, to patrick's point the bad weather scenario mm -hmm. aka real life what was the read in the room like when you were watching people collide against each other and the work stack up without getting it done? They they made the same remarks that it was how we work today and everyone is so busy and there's always too much work. It was the same. And one of the senior directors said, well, if this was real life, we would just work through the weekend. Like if this has to be done, like that's what it's like. And to hear his boss's reaction was really fascinating <laughs> in the conversations amongst his peers. Yeah, but but Jay, you say that like as practitioners, we know this stuff. And I think like I knew it in my head and I taught it. But until I saw it and experienced it in the simulation, like that's why I'm such a fan is because that's when I was like, holy crap, this is not just a theory. This is not just Little's Law. Like I just mm -hmm. saw this work. You know, and then when I took the class, I got more theory behind it and the connection between collaboration and learning and the flow. And then it was like next level learning. And I've right. only taken the first one, but there's three. So I'm saving my pennies because I want to take the second and third one because I bet that's the same mind blowing stuff. You You're know? right. I, my, uh, my running joke is uh, in our industry, Don Reinertsen is the guy that is most quoted. And yet 99% of us have never read that book. <laughs> We've never read Principles of Product Development Flow Second Edition. So everybody talks about it in the abstract, but nobody's actually like sat, sat, yeah, sat through it. And that was one of the things that when I took the course too, I mean, like you said, even as a practitioner, it is kind of like a duh thing, but at the same time to see it play out on a screen where yeah. it is, there is undeniable. I'm looking at the done column and there's only four things in there and there's 17 sitting in progress. And I'm working my resonant. butt off. Right, right. Yeah. Right, right. Way more resonant. Um, the remark about, well, we'll just work the weekends. That's that's a whole different show for a whole different time. We need to get, you know, and there needs to be drinking involved. So so that, now let's talk about the, the second part of that simulation. So the the, the ugly, the, the bad weather, Patrick, is everybody's left to their own devices. Every man or woman is an island. Get as much work done as you can. How do you shift the constraints in the second part to, to show people really what could be? Yeah. And so, well, if I just go back to the, the sure. first one for a second. Um, so on the one hand, we can call it a bad weather scenario, but to a certain extent, um, the constraints that we put in place um, 
to a certain extent, they are not unreasonable constraints. Um, so one of the constraints is we assign work to the person that is most competent to do the work. Mm -hmm. Sounds mm -hmm. like a reasonable constraint, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, we keep everybody busy. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. Um, but then we see the consequence. We see what we feel and we have a shared, shared experience about the consequences of that. Um, now, if we ask for a root cause analysis, yeah, if we ask for a root cause analysis, um, it's like 99% of the times, um, the root causes are outside of our control. Mm -hmm. It's the customer that comes in with like uh, these uh, interruptions. Uh, mm -hmm. It's management that uh, has these uh, stupid policies. It's the other team that we're dependent on and they're not reacting to us. Um, so most of the time we have, like, we find root causes that are outside of our control. Um, now, we look a little bit deeper in that and, and try to find what are, uh, how are these root causes related? Because we don't learn a lot of putting the blame somewhere else. It's not very helpful. Uh, but what if we can find a way to connect the dots? What if we can find? Um, now, an easy uh, entry point into that is um, if you talk about uh, customer requests that are urgent and um, they come in and we need to do them immediately, mm -hmm. where do they come from? Uh, where do they come from? Now, there's, um, um, yeah, well, you mentioned, uh, Sarah mentioned Little's Law. Eh? Um, we all know that there's a direct correlation between work in progress and, and lead times. Uh, um, uh -huh. So if our work in progress is high, our lead times are high. Um, now, if our lead times are long, um, there's more chance that uh, uh, customers have to say it is urgent. Because they know it's going to take forever. So right. Expedite it. Yeah, totally. If you can deliver in 20 minutes, there's no yeah. need to say it's urgent, right? Um, right. And so what happens uh, when the customer comes in and, and starts shouting and saying it's urgent, we start to work. And obviously that has a very bad effect on our work in progress. Mm -hmm. All it does is slow everything down. Yep, yep. It slows everything down. Uh, so what we've now just discovered is um, a vicious loop, uh, a reinforcing loop. Uh, why do I drink too much coffee? Because I can't sleep. Why can't I sleep? Because I drink too much coffee, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and there might have been a good reason many years ago why I started drinking coffee. That reason is not there anymore, but I still drink too much coffee. Uh, so there might have been a good reason for that team uh, to uh, take on too much work mm -hmm. uh, in progress. And that reason might not be there anymore. Uh, but they're still working at a very high uh, level of work in progress, leading to all these uh, things like urgent item coming in, uh, people getting blocked, uh, and then there's a chance that they get idle. So we start new work. Mm -hmm. And so we mm -hmm. see all those bad effects accumulating. Um, if our lead times are long, uh, our, feedback our feedback loops will be long, right? Um, and you know the saying? If you give feedback to a developer, then they'll scratch his head and say, okay, I'll, I'll fix it. If you give the feedback immediately, if you give the feedback after three months, then it's like, who wrote this code, right? <laughs> um, very, very, very so, true, uncomfortably so, true. Well, and that, that just accumulates all that non-value adding work, uh, which just 
adds to our work in progress. Yeah. Um, so we gain a little bit of an understanding of um, how those things are connected. Yeah. And then if we look, if we look for reasons, how can we improve? How can we do something about this? How can we as a team do something about this? Um, well, something that immediately pops up is maybe we can collaborate. Maybe we can work better together, right? Um, another thing that comes up is, um, well, maybe we can start uh, limiting the work in progress. Now, I try to, I, I love to play the devil's advocate there. <laughs> and so, um, like, uh, if we say like, yeah, well, maybe we can uh, limit uh, the work in progress. Um, well, yeah, maybe. Uh, so let's take a scenario here. Um, I'm a team member. We agree to have, we, let's say that we're a team of five. We agree to have a limit uh, of seven on uh, the work items in progress. We have seven items on the board. My items are blocked. So mm -hmm. I come to the stand-up and I'll say like, you know what? Today, uh, I'm not going to work. It's in the best interest of the team. Um, so I'm going to take uh, a day off. <laughs> Your yeah. boss is going to love that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's not going to work very well, right? Um, and then comes in the camera coach and says, like, yeah, you're resisting change. Well, I'm not really resisting change, you know. Um, what I'm aware of is that idle time is not, is not looked unfavorable in most organizations, yeah. right? Right. It's almost a taboo. Right. Um, and so um, limiting the whip in and by itself might not be a, might not be a good idea. Um, but the same can be said about collaboration. So you're juggling with three, four, five items at a time. You're way over your head in work. And then comes the, in comes the collaboration coach and says, you need to collaborate. Now, if I'm working on three, four, five items at a time, man. Yeah. Um, now, the insight is that uh, maybe those two can, can help each other, right? Um, uh -huh. um, if we limit the whip, we can create the conditions for collaboration, uh -huh. right? But at the same time, we need to collaborate in order to be able to limit the, the work in progress. Right. That blew my freaking mind. <laughs> it's it's mind. like... um. You know, you use the term reinforcing loop. If you, if you can almost in your mind, close your eyes and picture a causal loop diagram with just the three attributes of Little's law, where increasing one increases another, decreases the third. And they, it's that, that it's only um, almost like, um, it's almost like a plane that's in a terminal downward spiral, right? Like it's just, it's only going to get worse. The more you add, the more it's, and then you can have the spans coming off where, you know, VIP, to your point, Patrick, VIP says, this is urgent. Or yeah. my VP comes in with a pet project that you need to get done. All these things mm -hmm. contribute to that, to yes. that slowly circling the drain, um, depending upon the side of the hemisphere you're on. It's either going clockwise or counterclockwise <laughs> of things not getting better. You're only making it worse. Um, the the remark about <laughs> the remark about well, I'm going to take the day off. You know, Steve Tenden, when we got the, got a chance to talk to him, famously said, "Well." The worst thing you could do is pick up another story if your story is blocked. That's the worst thing you could do. He said, you're actually better off telling somebody to go fishing. Just go fishing. Because yeah. it, all, what you're going to do is you're going to pick up another story. And it's, again, we're back to that yeah, to that yeah. loop of yeah. you're just putting more work into a system that's already bottled, right? When you're, when you, 
I can't use that analogy. The metaphor is terrible. Um, when your kitchen sink is clogged, you don't keep, you turn the water off and you pull, the, <laughs> you pull what yeah. amounts to the chum out of the strainer and then you start the water again. You don't just keep the water going and oh, well, it'll eventually solve itself. Yeah. Uh, no, you end up with the flooded kitchen. And a coach That's yelling at the drain to like collaborate more <laughs> and you're empowered doesn't do anything. Yes, <laughs> right, right. Right. Take take the beat and the step what back. What are you doing? Yeah. And so, so, so we have these vicious loops, huh? Yeah. And mm -hmm. we're, we're subject to these vicious loops. And then the question is, how can we turn that into a into a virtuous loop, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then just enforcing, like only just looking at things from one perspective, only looking at the the the, the system of work uh, from the perspective of flow, is very limiting, right? Um, only looking at it from the perspective of collaboration is very limiting, right? Only looking at it from the, the perspective of learning is very limiting. Uh, things become uh, more powerful if you try to combine those perspectives. That's my triangle on my sticky note. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, and so that's where, where we can turn things into a more virtuous loop. Eh? We, can, we can start limiting the whip um, or we can start deferring commitment a little bit so that we can start limiting the wibble a little bit so that we can create more conditions for collaboration. Now, once we start collaborating, we start learning from each other, which removes uh, uh, knowledge bottlenecks. Um, mm -hmm. um, and now, you know what? Knowledge bottlenecks are, are really an impediment to flow. And so that allows things to flow more better. So we can create more, um, we, can, we can restrict our whip a little bit better. And now we can turn things into a more virtuous loop. Um, and that's what we try to, to uh, get an experience of in the, in the second round, right? Right, and, and that second round is where all these things we talk about in the abstract, we meaning practitioners, the ideas of flow, managing whip, all, it really becomes plain to see it's right in front of you. You can't mm -hmm. help stare at it, that things are actually moving across the board. Oh my God, we're getting work done. And it's one, and, and again, uh, Sarah, I'm going to go back to you and your experience with a bunch of leaders. Um, it's one of those, well, this is kind of silly. Why aren't we doing this? It's mm -hmm. one of those, you, you really want to look in the mirror and say, why, why am I not, why am I not doing this? This is almost, I'm sure I'm literally shooting myself yeah. in the foot. And you're talking about people who've been incentivized for decades to stay busy all the time. And so right. to change those behaviors is. Right. It's the. It's the Johanna Rothman, and I use her all the time. She's not the first person to come up with this, but she has a great visual that I steal all the time. It's the resource efficiency versus the flow efficiency. Mm -hmm. And the other, the other metaphor is an oil change, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the example I use is Jiffy Lube versus a Formula One car. Mm -hmm. Jiffy Lube is maximized for resource efficiency. Everybody keeps busy. There's three people that work there. One guy runs a register. The other guy's pulling the car, and the third guy's doing the oil changes. They're busy, but it takes you a good 20, 25 minutes. Whereas you look at the maintenance that's done on an F1 car in a pit stop that takes 13 seconds, you have each person who maintains their whip. They have one thing they're working on. They're, they're solely dedicated to it. And you get that car in and out in the blink of an eye. And that's the true difference between resource and flow efficiency. And to your right, for, for decades, eventually we're going to hit the 100-year mark. Well, actually, we probably have hit the 100-year mark for you know scientific management. Um We've always talked about ma maximizing resource efficiency yeah. because that's what we yeah. view people we as widgets and components. And again, it's more destructive to have Patrick pick up another story than to have him go help somebody else yeah. 
with their story. Or even read an article about what he's working on. Like, <laughs> you know? And now the, the power of simulations is that in a three-hour session, as you said, I you can do you can bring across quite complex ideas in a three-hour session in, in a simulation. Things that, that might take days and days of uh, of uh, um, other types of training, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, and in a very compact session, you can you can get quite sophisticated ideas across. Um, now, notice that we're not talking about Kanban, we're not talking about Scrum, we're talking just about how work works. Um, um, it's kind of like the laws of physics for work. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and um, just I. Just very general, I general things about how work works, right? And giving an insight into that. And, and you know, you just said that, and I never even thought about that. There is no mention of Kanban. There's no mention of Agile. There's no mention of any of this stuff. It's really just how do I how do I get my work done in a smarter way? So I, I do want to ask the both of you, you Patrick and Arlette. You've obviously done tons of courses. Do you have any particularly memorable one where? the light bulb went off for someone and it was almost like a bomb going off where have you had someone freak out and go, Oh my God, I can't go back to work. I can't go back to work. We do things wrong. Do you have any, do you have any particular funny anecdotes of someone where they, you can tell that they got it and they were, their life was never going to be the same. Um, Yeah. The the workshop we did over the summer um, I got a phone call actually from um, a German startup company um, who called me and said like, yeah, I heard via via about you. And I think we are going to have uh, in Belgium uh, a workation. So vacation uh, together with some work. And um, I, I want you to run a simulation. But I thought like a young team, a startup company, hmm. What is it that we can bring? So um, I started having a chat with uh, with the CEO, and very quickly um, he started talking about that um, there was a lot of pressure on the team um, because yes, they were a startup, but now they had their products launched, so they were getting feedback uh, and change requests coming in from customers. So all kinds of um, and people were so so busy that actually some of them were thinking about. Yeah, leaving the organization. So it was mm. really a concern. Um, so I explained then about Flowlab, eh, round one, round two, and he said, yes, yes, I think it can help us. And um, so we went over there. Planning was actually to go there for half a day in the morning. And then normally after our session on Friday afternoon, they were going to have um, some fun things going on at the An beach. escape room. An escape, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere, I, some fun activity. But actually, while um, and during the debrief of the first round, uh, Patrick started talking about what he was saying earlier, uh, the, the root causes and why is it, where is it coming from and so on. And suddenly, there was a silence in the room and people started realizing like, whoa, we don't need to point to our CEO all the time wow. or the salespeople. Actually, there are things that we can do ourselves. So then we did the, the second round. And um, Friday evening, I got a, an email message from, from the CEO saying that um, on Monday, we need to talk because we want to hire you to, um, to coach our teams. Uh, because Friday, 
um, after the lunch, everybody said like, no, we have to, to, to continue <laughs> with what we learned this morning. And um, so for me, uh, being an entrepreneur myself, so I haven't worked for large organizations. I immediately started my own company. So I was um, my own boss from early days. It actually made me very happy because it was for the first time, uh, not the first time, but so, so explicit that what you had done in a workshop immediately was picked up and it was changing there. Um, and you're now coaching, uh, coaching yeah. the team uh, or one of the, uh, the leaders. Yeah. And it's really having, having um, yeah, it's a game yeah, but changer. Then they realized that instead of playing the blame game and that's yeah. what they were doing, yeah. yeah, they were just pointing fingers at each other and they said like, based on what we saw and what we felt and um, rather than, it's not the others that is the problem. Uh, it's mm -hmm. like, we can do something yeah. about this. And that was really powerful. And, and they actually decided like, okay, we're going to do something with it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but for me, it was like, wow, this was really immediate feedback. And because if you um, do team flow uh, sessions, um, like you probably have done yourself, Osara, in a larger, larger organization, it sometimes takes a little bit of time before, mm -hmm. before people can, can um, actually do something about it. Right, right. But you're working in, in yeah. Yeah, big system. Big system, uh -huh. yeah, and although they want to implement Agile, but sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the company is not moving that fast. Right. right. So that was, um, I for me, was something. That's a, that was a, yeah. No, but the, the thing is, um, I almost every workshop, there's, there's light bulbs going, going on. So yeah. <laughs> you almost become, become um, accustomed to it, eh? Um, yeah, almost numb. That that's that's a fantastic example. And um, to your point about a big system, right? Some of the some of the things that I've noticed in my career is when you do these type of things with some of the people at, at a lower level, not lower in the sense of like less important, but lower is just closer to the trench work. They have this white giant epiphany, but then to your point, they stop and they go, "Oh, but how am I going to change that? Mm -hmm. Because I'm stuck in the constraint of this giant box, which is where sorry, your example of taking a bunch of executives through this. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it's almost like in the in the book we we interviewed Karen Martin. Shout out to Karen many many ages ago, where she says when you do value stream mapping, the people who should be doing the mapping are the people who should be who have the power to make a mm -hmm. change. So when that light bulb goes off, to your point, Arlette, they can come out of the room as the CEO and say, no, 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 we're not going back to that. We're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. So there is a there is a definitive need to run this type of simulation with people who are high and up off that food chain. And as to all of our listeners, please take this, yeah. keep this in consideration. They need to, those are the people who need to see that, oh, some of the things yeah. we're doing, we're actually kneecapping ourselves. But yeah. if you take the class I taught, then you can do flow lab in your organization. And yeah. so like, that's one of the benefits is you can recreate right. the experience yeah. on your own as an agile coach. Yeah. Which is, which is uh, awesome. So, so um, regular experiences that, that we have is, um, um, so we're, we're, we're doing some, quite some, um, maybe a little bit disruptive things in the workshop yeah. mm -hmm. can, can be a little bit disruptive um, but then if you if you uh, do this with people that are close to the execution of the work um, 
they they're not afraid of that they'll um, um but then they might get pushed back by uh, by high levels of organization um now what we've now experienced already um several times is so we're creating a foundation in the belly of the organization really creating critical miles in at, at the level of the people that are actually doing the work a little bit above that and then we get enthusiastic uh, or somebody in organization as uh, like very enthusiastic tries to jump to the to a, a couple of levels high in the organization and gets pushed back mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because we have this big transformation program and it's led by these big consultants and blah 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 mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so so they get pushed back um, now we've had already a uh, a lot of experience with that in terms of the resilience that is there in the organization where they actually say to their bosses, no, no, we need to do this. We need to continue this uh, because this is valuable. Uh, we need to continue doing this. Um, so we had a recent experience with a, a local telco provider um, where at sufficient high level, high level of the organization, they said like, no, we're going to stop this. And then people really almost revolted in terms of going going to that person and saying, no, 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 don't don't kill this. We need to continue this. And that's uh, that gives a lot of uh, satisfaction. That's uh, yeah. I the few cents that I want to add is that um, it's a combination of the material, the simulations that we provide, mm -hmm. but also um, the insight that we. Taught, uh, teach people um, yeah. like the flow collaboration learning uh, mm -hmm. triangle so the interplay the in entanglement um, of practices um, so these are all um, important elements and in that um, company that local company there was like people um, at you know, the belly of the organization they were responsible for the transformation and they really took it at hand and they said like ha oh, we don't want to, to take all the people through the traditional, you know, Scrum and Agile and whatever, but they, um, based on the simulations, they formed actually their own transformation program. And this triangle that is on, on your um, post-it, not uh, Sarah, is actually something that they really took serious mm -hmm. and are, are, are constantly um, Reinforcing using. it. And it's yeah. kind of like the, um, yeah, um, it, Goes back again and again and again and again in their in their program. Yeah. And, and really cool. what I recall actually, um, what what attracted them to it is that um, it gives um, a very simple approach to talk to people about what are meaning of practices because everyone um, understands something different, mm -hmm. but yet you are I doing these practices but everybody understands something different and that is what we found out we had some workshops with them uh, just yeah how do we call it yeah agile practices workshop where we actually use the triangle as um yeah as, and then giving meaning to the as, practices yeah. through uh, through uh flow collaboration learning and mm -hmm. so um you do an exercise where um uh, people um talk a little bit about their some practices that are really and uh, uh, that they think are really core and then you allow them to place them into the triangle of flow collaboration learning and then you'll see that let's say if we take a, a retrospective 
somebody will put it into the context of flow. Somebody else will put it into the context of collaboration. Um, now, a retrospective can, can serve multiple functions, mm -hmm. uh, but it's good, uh, it's good to know um, from each other uh, what your expectations are. Mm -hmm. um, and what meaning do, do you associate with, let's say, a retrospective or visual management or, uh, and then align around, around those meanings? Um, to have an aligned meaning about what does agile mean? <laughs> um, right, right, right. So large organization, you have 20 coaches. Well, agile does like, we'll have 20 different interpretations. Yeah. <laughs> 20 is an understatement. It's probably closer to 60, right? It's depending upon, depending upon how much coffee they've had, they'll give you a different answer. Um, but I, th the, that emphasis, right. Um, get, getting aside, that is Wittgenstein, right. The limits of my language are the limits of my life. And the, when we use a word to, to take the time to, to narrow that, that semantic diffusion into what do I say, what do I mean when I say flow? When I say collaboration, I mean, this is how I define it to you define it that way. That, that is a, it seems like an almost frustratingly um, pedantic exercise, but at the same time, that is the probable most important step to make sure that we're using the same language to, to explain how we see the world. It makes that centering that much easier. And, and to, to your point, Patrick, I mean, Sarah, we've seen in some of the places we've worked together, everybody has a different everybody hears a thing and they interpret that in their brain as, mm -hmm. as, Oh, okay. I have to go this way. Whereas it may not be where our boss was thinking that thing, they define it meaning going this way. So that, you know, be, be getting away from even just managing whip and stuff. It's, can we all agree? Can we all agree on this is what we're saying when we say this? Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's actually very liberating. Um, what you also see is that every coach will will have their own entry point, uh, mm -hmm. um, depending on their background. Uh, um, yeah. And, and I, I I admit uh, I have my entry point in terms of flow uh, because I have a background in in flow and and that's going to be my entry point. Uh, but that doesn't mean that those other entry points aren't uh, uh, are not valid. Yep. There's no one ring to rule them all. <laughs> 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 in a reference that I'm sure our, our audience is going to love. So let me ask you both this. Um, wh what's next? What's next for Ogaloa Flow Lab? What, what, I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking for corporate secrets, but you know, you've built out the product. What's, what's coming around the bend? Like what, if people are interested, and we'll talk a little bit about if they're interested, where do they find you next? But you know, we've talked a lot about the simulation and, and Sarah and I's experience with how wild it was. What's next for you guys? Well, first of all, um, you're talking about Okaloa Flolop, but then in your mind, you're talking about team flow. Mm. So that is just one simulation, one simulation that we use actually to get I, um, the basics uh, yeah, to across. get the basics across. But obviously, um, if you do team flow, I, and the, one of the improvements is collaborating, mm -hmm. there is a likelihood. Uh, a big likelihood that people will then say like, yeah, but we cannot collaborate. Or in our situation, it's this or it's that. So then we have this other bunch of simulations, um, which, which actually then um, address 
separately all these topics, topics around um, how do you create a cross-functional team when you today have actually a team that is only um, working uh, in a workflow with yeah, specialized roles and or or uh, it's actually not a cross-functional team but it's a co-acting team so they're a team in name only mm -hmm. uh, so yeah how do you uh, so then we play again with um, another simulation we have a brand new simulation that we developed actually in that context um, where then people the bad weather scenario is kind of uh, uh, encountering all these challenges and then one by one um, start reasoning about like, what can we improve and then um, what we figured out is that um, the stop the line uh, technique the endem cord mm -hmm. uh, is kind of, of um, a crucial one a key one um, to get things going in an organization and yeah I don't know yeah and so um, so TeamFlow is is um, is I, it's it's powerful in its simplicity, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's very it's quite simple uh, in setup. It's and and that makes it also very general, right? Um, from teams that are in the trenches to to uh, upper levels of management, everybody can project their own work on it. Uh, but that's also a little bit the. Um, uh, uh, the weak point, right? Mm. Uh, it's very, it's very generic, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so we we try to to uh, to to make um, more specific uh, uh, simulations that each address a certain point. Um, now, um, most of all, what um, the direction is the direction of um, how can this apply at uh, larger uh, uh, settings. Right, right, and uh, is applying larger settings uh, where you've got teams connected in a value stream, mm -hmm. right? Uh, where you've got team connected, co teams connected because they need to deliver, uh, they need to deliver things together, and uh, where you have dependencies, and so um, uh, upstream, uh, uh, going upstream. Mm -hmm. um, that's a little bit of my pet peeve. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, um, um, so that's that's kind of what's what's next for us. Eh? Um, okay. It does mean, I, on the one hand, um, there's um, the uh, we've got a physical material, but also the online simulation. That also means that in the online simulation, we need to be able to cope with. Uh, more complex scenarios, right? right. Um, and so the approach that we're taking is uh, we're building a platform, um, and uh, we let the platform tell us what is possible, <laughs> and then uh, we'll we'll use those possibilities and and we'll see what comes out. Um, but so that means that uh, currently we're we're very much busy with more complex scenarios uh, um, and, and developing the platform uh, with uh, people with dependencies, specialized roles, upstream, right. downstream, uh, more complex the, the, scenarios. The nasty, ugly stuff that we get confronted with on, on a daily basis. It's yeah. weird dependencies and you know almost almost like that Einsteinian spooky connection at a distance. 
where I do one thing in the code over here and then somewhere else somebody's garage door goes up, you know, like, like those weird sort of scenarios where it's, how does that even work? So, <laughs> excuse me, I know we're quickly approaching time and I want to be cognizant. Um, so let me ask you both the question of if people are listening and they're interested and they want to find out more, if they want to get in contact with you, where do they go and where do they look? Um, and there you find our uh, contact details, or you can reach out to us on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, mainly on LinkedIn, I guess. Yes. Okay. Okay. Our website, LinkedIn. Perfect. Perfect. And I will throw some links in the show notes as well for um, those of our lazy listeners who don't really want to use <laughs> Google. Um, before I wrap us up, Sarah, anything that I missed? Anything that I forgot? Yeah, it's good. All right, perfect. So uh, Patrick and Arlette, on behalf of all of our listeners, I want to thank you for joining us um, from way across the pond. On behalf of Patrick, Arlette, Sarah, myself, I want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in once again. We've got a chat on Discord. Come hang out and talk. Um, Sarah keeps taking over the clean language conversation. We have a Patreon if you feel like contributing uh, to our hosting costs. And last but not least, I want to give a shout out to Machine Man Records for our outro music, which is royalty free. So once again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. And until next time, this is the Agile Uprising podcast signing out. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. It was a pleasure.